right. Good evening, everybody. It's good to laugh a little bit, is it not? Absolutely. You betcha. Uh, hey, it is so good to have you all of you here uh, tonight taking some time out of your weekend right in the middle of it on a Saturday night. And uh, chances are by now, if you have kids of any age or if you are uh, a parent or maybe you've just been on Facebook in the last, oh, I don't know, two weeks, you've probably seen more back-to-school pictures than you ever need to see. Uh, all these two kids, that's great, but it is no secret it is back-to-school uh, time. When I was growing up, is, is anybody really love school, by the way, just, just so I know? Okay, only a couple, so I'm just going to offend a few people then. Um, when I was growing up, I just, I, it was okay, but I never wanted summer to end. I'm guessing a lot of you are fans of summer, but I would just remember, remember when you were a kid, summer just seemed endless. You know what I mean? By the time you got to the end of August, it was like, man, six years later. You know, it just like felt like summer was forever, and I would run around barefoot, and I, and I mowed lawns growing up, and that was kind of my little moneymaker there. And then at the end of the day on Saturday, we would drive out to Dairy Queen, and I would get a large blizzard. Like, who gets a large blizzard at Dairy Queen? Now I eat like a mini one, and I'm like, that is more than, a, praise God for that. Uh, I get a mini one, and I'm like, whoa, that's enough, that's enough sugar for me. I, can't, I just used to pound one of those large ones uh, by myself, but I just remember the day seemed endless, and it was light out until 9 or 10, and most importantly, I had freedom from school. Now, some kids love school, and they can't wait for summer uh, to be done, uh, but this, so some of you are like this, and that was me. Um, I mean, it's not really me, but that was, probably would have been my first day of school uh, picture or something like that. I had zero interest, and so for me, going back to class was synonymous with less joy, less fun, less freedom. And for many Christians, I think we could say the same could be true of their perception of following Jesus. Less joy, less fun, and less freedom. And maybe it's because of, I don't know where you're at and what your previous experiences have been with church or Christianity and, and misunderstandings that we have of this word called discipleship. Following Jesus gets framed often as something that's boring something that is unnecessary, or worse yet, just completely forgotten. And the assumption is, well, isn't being a part of this whole church thing means I just kind of show up for worship as often as I can, and I'll try to be a good person the rest of the week and try to do some nice things because that's what Jesus would want me to do. Well, it turns out it is way more than that, and nothing could be further from the truth. The life of a Jesus follower in the New Testament is anything but boring. If you have your Bible, just kind of hold your Bible in your hands tonight. Often I wonder, and I just have to ask myself this on a regular basis, what if that Bible was all that I had? Or on your phone, hold your phone. I'm giving you permission to do that. That's fine if you have a Bible app or whatever it is. What if that's all I had? And my, my entire perception and understanding of what it means to be a Christian, all I had was maybe one of the Gospels, like so what Jesus did, in his three years here on earth, and then the book of Acts that we just got done with a few weeks ago. What if that's all I had? Not what I grew up with, not what my parents taught me, not some of the bad experiences I've had with church or where I've got burned or frustrated or annoyed because of broken, imperfect people. What if I just read that and said, okay, what would it look like to take Jesus at his word? And, and what would it look like to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus? I don't know about you, but this is, this is what I would read with no previous understanding or any background. There's a guy named Jesus, and he showed up, and he claimed to be God, which is pretty ridiculous, but then he backed it up, 
And he invites us into a life full of passion and adventure and courage and joy. And and he starts completely changing people's lives. And then, get this, he predicts his own death and resurrection. And not only does he predict it, but then he does it. And he walks out of the grave and he ascends up to heaven. And he sends his spirit into these people's hearts where they can't stop talking about it. And it literally changes the world. And you're telling me that that's boring. You're telling me that that experience and what we have seen and what we've read should be limited to an hour a weekend. That that that's what Christianity is. I wouldn't call that boring. I would call that life-altering. And yet, if we're honest, for some of you, that's not your experience with the church. You know there's more. (laughs) You know there's more. But for whatever reason, you've just settled for less. You know there's more but you've settled for less. It reminds me of a scene that I see played out in my driveway almost every day now. Uh, Our son Caleb is four. That that is not him. That's an imposter, but that's a good picture. Uh, But uh, his bike looks like that. So he he had uh, his bike at the end of March uh, when he turned four, and we got him this bike, and we put on the training wheels because that's all he's ever known is that bikes have training wheels. And so he's learning how to do that. And we've tried going around the block a few times, but he gets kind of tired. And so most of Caleb's perception of what it is to have a bike is pretty limited and it's training wheels. And basically what he does, and he literally has the time of his life, is rides back and forth. We have a really long driveway and he just rides back and forth in the driveway, coasts into the garage and then slams on the brakes at the last minute, right before he hits the wall of the garage and goes, see daddy, wasn't that awesome? You know, and like that's his perception of riding a bike and he just goes back and forth. He's got a Finding Nemo bike helmet like he is set for life. And he just goes back and forth and just goes, woo! And then I'll be sitting over there, woo! And he just goes back and forth and he loves it. And the other day he was riding back and forth and I was just playing some basketball watching him and he just stops and he goes, daddy? And I go, what? I thought he had something like really, really serious to say. He said, daddy, guess what? I said, what, buddy? And he's like sweating because he's been going back and forth. He says, I love my bike. And there's just like this moment of like hashtag parenting win right there. You know, like we did something good. You know, he's just like, I love my bike. And in that moment, like I wanted to jump up and down and celebrate with him. Like, buddy, I'm so glad you love your bike. And then the other more like practical figure it out. You have your whole life ahead of you side of me says, oh, buddy, there is so much more to bikes. And you're going to grow up to someday and realize that you don't have to have the two wheels sticking out the side, that you can actually control it. And some people actually go up hills and down hills, and they hop curbs, and you might ride your bike to school, and you might be in a bike competition or a race. There is so much more to it than going one mile an hour in your driveway. I want him to know that there's more. See, there's riding your bike, and then there's riding your bike, as evidenced by some much more adventurous bike riders in the mountain biking world. So picture Caleb in the driveway compared to this. Let's take a look. Okay, anybody want to try it? That looks really fun, doesn't it? There's a part of me, I don't know about you, but there's a part of me when I watch that that like something inside of me just goes, oh, you know what I mean? Like I just wanted to have the thrill of that. So there's bike riding and then there's bike riding, but totally different than what's taking place in my driveway. And when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to maybe your perception of what it means to be a part of a church, I think it would be fair to say that limiting Christianity to coming to a church service one hour a week and that's it, 
and just going through the motions would be like telling one of those guys to be content in my driveway. That's the reality of it. That's the picture I want to paint for you tonight. There is so much more. And if we're willing to get out of our comfort zones, if we're willing to set aside our assumptions and our, and our past experiences and take Jesus at his word and not just be inspired by hearing a message every week, but then actually take it and apply it so that we're not just spinning our tires or we're not just riding in circles in the driveway, then we might discover what those folks in the New Testament church were experiencing when it says they could not help but speak about what they had seen and heard. God said there's so much more. And so it's not just the kids that are going back to school. As we enter into this fall season as a church, I want to invite all of us to go back to school. And this is not the pen and the paper type of school. Jesus says, I want to invite you into my classroom to be your teacher. And the classroom is not a room. The classroom is your life. Every moment of every day as an opportunity to follow Jesus on this radical adventure. And so if you're willing to go back to school with Jesus and discover that bigger picture, it would start by redefining what we mean when we say discipleship, when we mean following him, what does that mean? If you have your Bibles, we're going to start tonight in Ephesians chapter 4. So hop over there tonight, Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's reminding them and teaching them What exactly is the point of all this? You know, like we show up here every Saturday night, like this is awesome, this is great, but what is the point of our faith? And so we read, we're going to pick it up in verse 11, Ephesians 4, verse 11. If you've got it on your phone, your app, or your Bible, say, I'm there. All right, awesome. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, leaders in the church, To equip his people, meaning all of us, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everybody say mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So if you look closely, Paul just kind of comes right out and says that what is the goal of our faith? It's becoming mature. Everybody say mature. It is becoming mature, and when you become mature, just like a child grows up, you don't stay where you're at. You can't, be, you can't follow Jesus and be stagnant. You move forward. And what is maturity? So we have to d- describe maturity. What is maturity when it comes to our faith? Look at verse 13. It says, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we become people that are increasingly thinking and feeling and acting like Jesus in every area of our lives, not just as individuals, but as the church as well. And then it says, until we all, everybody say all, that's a key word there, until we all reach unity, not just some of us, but all, and become mature. So to break it down in review, there's three things we learn from this passage. Number one, the purpose of our faith is to go on to maturity. Number two, maturity means looking more and more like Jesus. And number three, growing in our faith and becoming like Jesus is not optional. It's not for the pastor and the worship leader and for the church staff and for those crazy spiritual Christians that do things outside of the weekend. It is for all of us. The more mature we are as individual followers, the more mature we will be as a church and the more effective we'll be for the kingdom. Does that make sense? So those three things Paul kind of lays out for us. We are called to follow 
Jesus. And there's a fancy church word for that, and it's called discipleship. And we throw that word around a lot, but let's unpack that a little bit. So in the New Testament, the Greek word for disciple is methetes. Everybody say methetes. There's the Greek word. There's the Greek word right there. And methetes literally means learner or pupil, or you could go as far to say student. If you are a methetes, if you are a disciple of somebody, you are their student. And so, just so you know, that word, methetes, disciple, appears in the New Testament 268 times. That's a lot. The word Christian appears, can you guess, three times in the entire Bible. Church attendee appears zero times for the record. Disciple makes you stop and think. Christianity is a call to be a learner or a student or an apprentice of Jesus. And he has said, I'm inviting you into my classroom, and it's all day, every day, your life. So what do we know by that? If, if, we're, if our primary call is to look and feel and act more like Jesus, then a disciple is not measured by how much information they know or how many groups they've attended or how long they've been a part of a church or how young or old or an inexperienced or experienced they might be. Discipleship or spiritual growth is measured by one question. Does my life look more like Jesus today than it did yesterday? This month than it did last month. This year than it did last year on August 26th. For those of you that are in a group or an accountability group or a small group or a Bible study, do the members of our group look and feel and act more like Jesus today than we did the last time we met? And if not, we're just filling our heads with information. We're not actually becoming like Jesus. For the early church, the adventure of becoming like Jesus was not optional. It was the invitation of a lifetime. But in 2017, with how busy we are, we often miss it. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a list person. And even though I'm super busy and I can have lists of my lists of my lists, it makes me feel a little bit better. Does anybody else like lists? Anybody else like to make lists? Okay, whether it's on your phone, your app, or, you know, I like to write mine down on a there's these things called notebooks, and they have lines on them, and you just write down, you write down your list on them. But I thought, it's back to school time, and all of us have lists, right? And so you, you kind of make your list, and you, and, and you go down in, in, in order of importance, and here's the things that I need to do. My wife and I, you know, we got uh, first one, uh, if you got kids, you know, getting those school supplies. We did that for the first time with our kids going to preschool, and it's like, oh, maybe, you know, we need some new clothes, and you know, because kids need new clothes, maybe we need new clothes and everything like that. Uh, you know, we got uh, to do our appointments, you know, doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, eye appointments, uh, all of those things. We got, you know, maybe if you don't have kids, you've got, you've got uh, home improvement uh, that you want to do. You've got a lot of things uh, on your list. You've got to shuttle the kids around to activities and the kids act activities. Um, and you have activities too. You have hobbies and things like that. And so you start looking at your calendar here for the fall. I'm guessing everybody's got some sort of calendar uh, and all of that. And then you kind of look at that, and then you show up at church at Hope Des Moines on a Saturday night and go, oh, wait. Where does become like Jesus fit on your fall list? And then we go, oh, no. I forgot, and here's what we do is we say, oh, 
let's see, I've got, a, I've got a 10 minute window between when I drop them off and when I need to pick them up and then after work and when, when I come home, but, but, but it's really busy and I've got early morning meetings and so I, maybe I can kind of squeeze it, uh, you know, maybe I can kind of put it in there and so maybe I could just squeeze it right here and then be like Jesus can kind of just squeeze in there, maybe a little bit there and a little bit there and we're floundering around with our lists and I, I think Jesus wants to say this to you tonight. Yes, he cares about everything that's on your list and everything that you're doing and everything that's filling your schedule. But in all this talk about discipleship, I think what he also wants to say to you tonight is I care way more about the person that you're becoming along the way. Because you can get all these things done and be empty. And have your soul not satisfied and not have any joy and not have real contentment and peace in your life. And this fall, I think Jesus wants to challenge you. Whatever this looks like, whatever you got to do to be like Jesus, flip your list. Flip your list. Flip your list. Not squeeze it in, flip your list. And why does Jesus say that? I get it, we're so busy. And the last thing you need to do is to hear a pastor give you one more thing to do. (laughs) Here's what I'm telling you to flip your list. Because he wants to fill you up. He's concerned about the kind of person that you're becoming along the way. And you're going to look up 10 or 15 years from now saying, I was super productive and I got it all done. But I'm the same person that I was. I haven't changed one bit. I don't look any more like Jesus. He wants to bring purpose and peace and joy to everything else on your list, whatever that may be. I want to give you a peace that won't be shaken when you get that letter from the principal. I want to give you a joy that's there regardless of how your marriage is today or whether how your, your job is perfect. Like right in the middle of it, I want to give you that peace and that joy. Flip your list this fall, Jesus says, not because I want to steal your joy, but because I want to give it to you. So what would that actually look like? If you're feeling like that, maybe I can squeeze some, I hear people say this all the time, I try to squeeze in some quiet time for God. (laughs) And I just kind of picture God up there going, that's fine, I'm just the God of the universe that created you, that knows you better than anybody else, that holds the galaxies in the palm of my hand, so that's fine if you can squeeze me in when you get a chance. I think he just looks at you with those eyes of compassion tonight and says, I want to be your everything. I want you to be so consumed with me that whatever you're doing on your list and wherever you are at work or school, in the car, or with the kids or whatever, that you can't get your mind off of Jesus because all of life is a classroom. Amen? He wants to be your everything, not get 10 minutes of your time squeezed in. So how do we invite Jesus into everything that we're doing? Well, it might be important if we were going to go back to school with Jesus to look how he developed his first students. So if you think about it this way, I like shapes, and some of you maybe seen this shape before, but it helps me uh, remember things, and it's a triangle. So if you're keeping track at home, you can write this down. When we look at the life of Jesus, he called 12 people, 12 ordinary guys to follow him. He invested his life in them for three years, and he did that in three primary ways. Everybody say information. Information. Everybody say imitation. Imitation. 
That's a long one. And everybody say innovation. innovation. And that's an easy way to remember it is kind of three sides of the triangle. And even if you've heard something like this before, hopefully this will make you think about it in a different way. So first, information. Jesus did a lot of teaching. He did a lot of Bible studies, even though he was the Bible, like study me, uh, watch me, learn from me. And he taught a lot about the kingdom, but he didn't stay there. It moved on to imitation. Jesus invited people to follow him into his way of life. And finally, innovation, he said, go and do it. So let's take those apart one at a time. Often for us, this is, this is really good. We want you to hear sermons. I'm giving one right now. It's important to listen. It's important to learn, not to my words, but to his words. It's important to do Bible studies. It's important to go to groups and, and learn more and, and take classes and all of that. But Jesus knew that if it was really going to stick, it had to be more than that. But far too often, our experience of Christianity in the classroom of life stays right there. Oh, man, I just did this great new Bible study. And I'll talk to small group leaders, and I'll talk to Bible study leaders and say, oh, our group just got doing, done doing this great Bible study, this 12-week study on prayer. Oh, it just filled us up. And it was just so amazing. And I'll say, I'll say, wow. So people in your group really feel confident, and you're out there before and after worship and connecting with people around town just casually and non-threatening, just asking people if you can pray for them, and you're seeing some healing happen, and you're open to praying with your spouse and for them and praying for your friends, and you're having that time with God every day and praying for people out loud and everything. Oh, oh no. No, 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 no. We, we were just going to do the study about it. Oh. Okay. That, that's great. Bible studies are fun, but at some point we got to turn into Bible doings, too. Wouldn't it be great if we had just as many, if not more, Bible doings as we do Bible studies? Don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for this. But Jesus says over and over, blessed are those who don't just receive it. Blessed are those that put it into action, that do the word. So it's not just about having more knowledge, because you can know all the information. You can ace the test and fill in the blank and finish the workbook and not be a different person at the other side of it. Information alone is not enough. I know this full well in my teenage years. Uh, when I was, uh, I think I was 15, and you could sort of get your learner's permit or like not your license. Does anybody remember though? Like I don't know if, what the laws are now, but you kind of get your sort of license. And I was so excited to get my driver's license as a teenager. Maybe some of you are there right now, and some of you are parents that are freaking out by this. Uh, but uh, thinking about your child driving, but I was so excited to learn how to drive that I got the driver's ed manual like a year before I was going to take the test, and I just studied it and I read it covered. I mean, I remember laying in my waterbed. Oh, my waterbed growing up, right? And reading my driver's ed manual. Like I just studied it cover to cover and then it came time for me to take the written test and I aced it, every question right. And then what they did at that time is that you took the written test and then if your birthday fell on a certain date, not everybody had to, but if your birthday fell on a certain date, then you had to take the actual test. Like you had to go drive with a cop, with a policeman. And I did, and my birthday was in November, and what happens the night before I have to do my actual driving test? A blizzard, a snowstorm, and there is snow everywhere, but I'm like, that's not stopping me, and so me and my dad drive down, and I get in there uh, in my family station wagon, you know, and I rev her up, and I'm like, I got this, I ace the test, I know all the information, for pity's sakes, how could this go wrong? Well, we're driving along, and you know when snow gets packed down, sometimes you can't tell where the road ends and the median starts, <clears throat> 
And so I'm driving along all of a sudden, and the, the policeman is sitting right next to me. I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. And then all of a sudden, the car just kind of goes like that. And we're kind of sideways a little bit with the, the, the wheels up on this side. And then we're just going. And the policeman, not able to hold it together, is like laughing and mad all at the same time, says, do you know that you're driving on the median? Yes, I do now. Thank you. Needless to say, flunked it, completely flunked it two more times, but I got it on the third try. But that's besides the point. The point is that I got it, and it was an opportunity to grow. And my question for you tonight is, what happened? What happened? I knew it all. What went wrong? I never actually learned how to drive the car well. And more than that, I didn't have anybody to apprentice. Yeah, we'd driven around the mall parking lot with my dad, but I'm like, Dad, I need some help. And so for the next few weeks, in between those tries, we were out there driving. He said, now brake, now stop, now left, now right, now turn signal, red light, green light, yellow light, slow down, stop. And he's coaching me along the way, and I'm learning so that when I got there the third time, then I knew what it was, I was doing. Information wasn't enough. And I wonder tonight... When it comes to Christianity, are you stuck reading the manual or are you ready to get behind the driver's seat? Are you ready to actually experience driving the car and doing ministry? You are surrounded by ministry options tonight. And Jesus knew that the information about the kingdom wasn't going to be everything. And so what Jesus would do is teach them something about the kingdom. And then he would demonstrate it. He would ask them to imitate. Everybody say imitate. He would say, watch me, I'm going to tell you about healing, and then I'm just going to go heal this guy that's been blind from birth. Imitation, now go do what I did. Innovation, now go do it. Imitation, in order to do that, you got to know each other. you got to be in relationship. And so Jesus says, come follow me. Come follow me in Matthew chapter 4. More than a transfer of information, Jesus says, I'm inviting you into my life and I want you to imitate everything that I do every day. And then at the end of his ministry, when Jesus ascends into heaven, he does something crazy. He said, now you go do that for one another. Go make what? Disciples, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. So point other people to me. And a lot of people get hung up on that and they say, no, 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 I could never do that. I could never actually teach or model that because I'm not perfect. That's the point. If you were perfect, you would be an inauthentic model. (laughs) The more broken you are and the more authentic you are about your brokenness, and yet you continue to point people to Jesus, the more effective you will be as a disciple maker. So invite people into your life like Jesus did and call them to something bigger. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Some of you are leaders. And some of you have been sitting reading the manual for years, and you say, I've read it cover to cover. I've filled in all the blanks. And Jesus is saying to you tonight, great, but do you know that your faith was never just for you? Your faith was for the sake of other people. That's how the early church changed the world. It's for the sake of others. Give it away. Give it away. I know you're not perfect. I know you don't have it all together. It's not hypocrisy. It's being biblical. Who are you in relationship with? You can do information alone in your waterbed with a podcast or online. You know what you can't do by yourself? 
be refined, be challenged, be encouraged, be called out on something. Have somebody tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. Learn to forgive somebody. Learn to speak the truth in love. You got to be together. Who knows you? And who do you know? Who are you in relationship with? And that's what Jesus invited them to do. That's a key part of discipleship is that you move from here to here. And finally, you move from imitation to innovation. You actually go and do it. Towards the end of, our ministry, end of his ministry, Jesus says, now go and do what I did. I don't want you to just agree with me. <laughs> I want you to live your life as if like this stuff is absolutely true. And the beautiful thing is you're already doing it. I just want to say you are an, you are an incredible church. When most churches take the summer off, just in the last few weeks here, we had the opportunity, you know these bags in our lobby was just filled with all these school bags and you bought school supplies. We filled more backpacks than we ever have and some folks from our missions team got to bring them to Edmonds and Moulton schools and they said, I wish every single person in the congregation could have seen the looks on those teachers' faces. 200 backpacks? Why? Because we follow Jesus. And he served those in need. And he looked out for those that can't look out for themselves. And if that means school supplies, that's awesome. What if we would have shown up without any school supplies and said, man, teachers, <laughs> I know it's the beginning of the school year and you're desperate for school supplies and you don't really have an education budget, but man, we just really think that Jesus is great and we have read in our Bible studies that we are called to serve those in need. So, it can't stay there. And we imitate the ways of Jesus and we move from imitation to innovation. A couple weekends ago, we did our baptisms at the river uh, event where I get to be kind of my John the Baptist type person. And we're hanging out there. And it was absolutely amazing. It was so much fun. Over 30 first-time baptisms. Praise God for that. It was so awesome. And uh, the, these people, they, they choose to do this. We don't like force them to do it. Like they do it. And it's not just our organized stuff where we do innovation as a church. It's, it's those of you that have started serving your neighbors and those who are, some of you are like, I, I'm inviting a friend to worship every single week. That's what I've challenged myself with. What are they doing? They're innovating. They're getting on the bike and they're riding down the mountain going, woo, I love my bike. Christianity was meant to be experienced, not just talked about. And when you experience it, you're like, I'm not going back to just filling my head with more information. That's great, but now I got to do something with it, or I'm just going to explode. <laughs> I, I, I have to overflow. They're putting their faith into action. So what about you as you look at that? What part of following Jesus, what part of discipleship is your weak spot? What's your growth spot? If we're all going back to school, kids, students, adults alike, if we're all going back to school with Jesus, have you limited your faith to one part? Are you stuck somewhere tonight? What's your next step? What's your growth edge this fall as you go back to school with Jesus? What area of your life needs some reforming? <laughs> Need some reformation. That's the kind of the heart of what we talked about last week as we're in this series about what it means to be Lutheran. And we covered a lot of that last week. And so just to review for those of you that weren't here, we've been asking this question, what is it that puts the Lutheran and Lutheran Church of Hope? 
And at the heart of it is this idea of the Reformation, this, this event and series of events that happened in the 15 and 1600s where the Roman Catholic Church was going off the rails and it needed to be reformed. There was misunderstandings and there was false teachings and it needed to be brought back, back on the rails. And we learned that the founder of the whole Lutheran movement, Martin Luther himself, that really what it means to be Lutheran is not Garrison Keeler and, and church potlucks and jello and hymn sings and shag carpet and boring confirmation classes. It's none of that. And if that's been your experience, I'm sorry. None of those things are necessarily bad. It's just to be Lutheran is way more than that. It's to be reformed every day. And to let grace be the center of your life. It's to let Jesus be at the dead center of who you are. Our creative team created these stained glass windows from scratch, Luther's door, where he nailed the 95 theses of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And over here, this is Luther's rose. Can we just give God praise for our creative team for a second, just coming up with this? So that emblem Luther had designed, and every part of that rose speaks to Luther's theology and our Lutheran faith. And you'll notice what's at the middle of it, the cross in the dead center of the heart, because without Jesus, we have Nothing. It's God's grace that saves us, not how good we are. Luther said, I can't be good enough, and there's something in my life that needs some reforming. And so I'm going to put Jesus at the very center. And the thing that makes us Lutheran is our foundation on God's grace, that none of this is like, well, man, I'm not that good of a discipler, and I haven't done all these classes, and I know I don't know a lot about the Bible, so I'm not a very good Christian. No, right in the middle of all this is God's grace, is the cross, to say you are good enough. And we don't do these things as a part of the church to earn God's love. We do them because we have God's love and we can't help but share it. Does that make sense? So it's the opposite. So the cross is right in the middle of everything, his theology of his life. And so churches and institutions and people need a reformation constantly. We need renewal in our faith. And don't forget one of Luther's passions, the reason that he translated the Bible from Latin, which only a few people could understand that were educated, to German, the common language, is because he wanted to get the Word of God in the hands of ordinary people so they could read it, and yes, and experience it, but then become different kind of people. To start to find other people and be in relationship and ultimately the Protestant Reformation happened, and Lutheran Church of Hope exists because Luther and his followers moved from here to here to here. And they fought back. And they said, that's not how church is supposed to be. I'm not settling for the status quo. At some point, the training wheels have to come off, and you've got to experience church the way it was meant to be. Take Jesus at his word. Some of you need some reformation in your heart tonight. I don't want to move forward without the series until we stop there and say, what is it inside your heart that needs to change tonight? It's time to flip that list. It's time to put be like Jesus at the very top and let it define everything else. As a couple practical examples, don't overlook the power of information and teaching. For some of you, your next step is to make weekly worship a priority, to put it at the top of the list. It's not even on the list. It's just locked in, and then everything else flows from that. We go to worship on Saturday night or Sunday morning, whatever it is for you, and that's our thing. That's a great next step for some of you. For some of you, it's alpha. It's taking that step and saying, I'm going to get some of these big questions in my life answered. 
For some of you, it's information, but for some of you, it's imitation. It's relationship. For Christian friendship, with life groups for men's and women's and couples, and we have a new young adult small group for 20s and 30-somethings. There's this guys' night that we're starting that's here next week that we're going to do every single month. And just a word on that. Sometimes we like to have fun with the guys and say, hey, you know, we're going to be guys, and hey, and everything like that. And some of you are thinking, my schedule is busy enough. You, John, you, you don't understand. I've just got this crazy full list, and I'm supposed to go and hang out at the church and, like, have bad pizza and drink Mountain Dew and burp and talk about the weather and sports and then say, do a Bible study afterwards? Like, that's not worth rearranging my schedule for. It's not that. Not by a long shot. And our men's team has been praying for you, guys, for a year. And we've been meeting regularly and praying for the men in this church and asking, God, what is it? And what he just keeps hammering home again and again. And guys, we're bad at saying it, but you know what's going on. We crave friendship. And we're not that good at it, me included. Check out Guys Night. Experience some relationships with some other guys. It's not dumb jokes and burps. It's authentic relationships. We crave it. We crave it. It's a place to be real. So bring a friend and join us. Others of you, God is calling you to step out in that world of, of imitation. <laughs> Some of you are leaders, like I said, and you're, you're called to, to, to lead others. There are dozens of kids. Our, our Hope Kids ministry continues to grow. Our student ministry continues to grow. We just hired Ryan Tunick, who's an awesome young man, to lead our student ministry. He would love to talk with you afterwards tonight. We've got kids signing up in junior high and senior high, grades 6 through 12. And if you're a parent and your kids, if you have them in grades 6 through 12, we would love to hang out with them. Ryan would love to meet them. And we also need volunteers for those things. And some of you are like, I don't really do the kids and student thing. Jesus did. Jesus did. You don't have to be an expert to do it. You got to love kids and you got to love Jesus. And I hope and pray that that's every single one of us. You know what the best way to learn is? To teach. You know what the way that I stay up to date with the Bible sometimes is the Jesus storybook Bible I teach my two-year-old. When's the last time you read about Esther? Oh, that was yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes the best way to learn is to teach, is to put yourself out there. You want to grow? Get invested in the life of a student or a child this fall. Take time to lead, not out of duty or obligation, but it's because what we do. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. Maybe it's time to lead. Maybe it's time to serve. Those with the most joy around here <laughs> that can't keep it to themselves are leading something or serving. Those with the most joy are doing something not for themselves. That's the way Jesus changes our heart. And I get it. I'll, I'll be honest with you for a second. I'm going to sit down and have my dad talk here. We're really busy. We are really, really, really busy. And I know what some of you are thinking. I don't need one more thing on my list. I don't need one more thing filling up my calendar. And I think Jesus just asked you tonight, who have I called you to be? And I pray that your agenda and your schedule and your calendar would reflect the kind of person that God's called you to be. There is zero guilt. There is zero pressure. We're not going to lock the doors tonight until everybody's signed up for something, okay? We may pass the offering plates again, but that's another story. No, I'm just kidding. There is zero guilt and there is zero pressure. Every single opportunity at Hope Des Moines is a get-to 
not a got to. Amen? It is guilt-free and pressure-free. It is an opportunity. Information, imitation, innovation. And even with all these opportunities around you, I, I hear you. Some people, it's not the right time. It's, it's not a good season. I, I'm really overwhelmed. Life just seems to get busy and busier. I, this church thing isn't really for me. I, I get it. And Jesus just steps forward tonight. If you just walked in here tonight, which would be awesome. And he just looks at you in the eyes and he says, I know. Follow me. I know you're overwhelmed. I know you're tired. I know you're overwhelmed. It's 2017. I know your schedule's full. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Today's the day. Don't wait. Don't wait for everything to line up perfectly. Today's the day. Or as you could say, (laughs) seize the day. Seize the day. I was thinking about going back to school and this theme this week, and my mind goes to a movie, maybe you've heard of it, where there's a professor and some students that are looking for purpose and direction, and he says, carpe diem, seize the day. Let's take a look. I'm not even going to try to do that voice. Carpe diem, seize the day. Follow me today. Get involved today. Get out of your comfort zone today, Jesus said. And if you're waiting for a sign, here it is. So I'm going to have those of you that are at one of the ministry areas stand up and just kind of go to your spot as we close today. And just in case you needed a reminder, I'm going to attempt to summarize every single opportunity that's going on for you in the next month and a half at this church in the next, oh, I don't know, 52 seconds. You think I can do it? I'm going to take a really big breath, okay? And you're going to have to watch closely, okay? And look at the screen because I'm just going to roll them off really quickly and Nan's going to help me out in the back and we're going to set a new world's record for every possible thing that you could get involved with at this church in the next month and a half. You ready? Here we go. Alpha starts in just a couple Sundays. Amazing. No matter where you're at on your faith journey, it is an awesome opportunity. You should get signed up. Even bring your small group. Way to rejuvenate your small group. Financial Peace University. That just says Sundays, but there's two, there's two classes, Sundays and Mondays. Financial Peace University to get your finances in order. Go to the next slide. Here we go. Life groups, men, women, couples. We have 21 life groups at this church all throughout the week. I would encourage you to get involved, even for young adults, 20s and 30-somethings. New member classes in two weeks. If you've never become a part of this family and just stamped it and said, that's my church home. We would love for you to do that. It's free food right up in the loft. We'd encourage you to do it. Week after that, baptism class. If you've never been baptized, it's not just for babies. It's for adults. It's for any ages. You can come. You don't have to sign up that night. Just learn more about it. Baptism class. Next slide. This Thursday, guys kick off. No reason you shouldn't be there. Great food. Awesome time. We would love to see you there, guys. Next slide. Riverside Women's Retreat. We love Riverside Bible Camp. The week after that, Every, women, uh, every woman is invited to come to that. It's an hour away. It is an awesome time. A couple overnights. You're not going to want to miss it. Hope Kids, Ignition, Power Life, students, all the way from age 3 all the way to eight, or not age 12, grade 12. We would love to have volunteers for that, and we're having a family ministry training 630 to 8 on September 6th. That is coming up soon. Breakfast Club happens every single week. If you come on Saturday, you may not know about it. We serve 140 people that are homeless or live uh, in homeless shelters, and uh, we, we feed them. They come to worship. They do Bible studies. Lots of ways to get involved with that. Whiz Kids is on Thursday nights, 5 to 7, pouring into neighborhood kids here that maybe haven't seen their parents in a long time and come from really, really difficult homes and need to know the love of Jesus, 5 to 7. Lots of different ways to get involved with that. Keep on going. Do we have an amazing worship team or what? And the production team 
makes it happen. Absolutely. Jed would love to talk to you. Eric would love to talk with you. You do not have to be a rocket scientist. You just have to have a pulse and be able to click a button or play or sing. Some of you can't sing, so don't sign up for that. Keep going. Here we go. ESL classes starting on Tuesday nights here uh, in a couple weeks. We need some volunteers to help out with that. We are seeking to become a multicultural church for the sake of the kingdom. And one of the ways we're going to do that is bless people in a way that they need to know English the most to set them up for success. Next slide. Join a group. There are literally dozens of ways to serve here on the weekends. Coffee. Uh, donut holes, greeting, ushers, scripture reading, communion servers, any of those things. Dozens of ways to get connected. You can serve once a month or as many as you want. Lots of ways to get involved. Prayer partners up here, in front, behind, everywhere. We're creating a prayer culture here at Hope Des Moines. You can literally pray for people about what just happened. You do not have to be an expert. Just listen well and come and bring them before Jesus. You don't have to be an expert. Every single one of us is on the prayer team at Hope Des Moines. Did I make it? And that's how you be the church. Praise God. So there you go. Just a few. Just a few. And that's just the next month or so. Carpe diem. Go to the ministry fair. I think that's what he said, right? Take off the training wheels, get behind the wheel, go back to school with Jesus. It's time for a reformation. It's time to seize the day. And here is my challenge to you as you see all of these leaders standing around here. Take one step. Go learn more. Even if, like, I don't know if I'm fully going to commit, just go learn more about it. And you never know how God might just tug on your heart a little bit. And if you are like, I can't, I can't do it, I'm just not in a place to do that, here's what I would challenge you to do. I would dare you to go find three or four of these leaders, look them in the eyes, shake their hand, or give them a hug if you're a hug-type person, and say thank you so much for leading and serving. They are the very heart and soul of this church, and they are my heroes for stepping out in faith and being the church. Every single one of them. So go up, give God praise for them, shake them. Yeah, absolutely, you bet. Shake their hand, thank them for leading. They've taken a step of faith, and they deserve a huge Thank you, and we would love for you to join in, and they would love for you to join in with what God's laid on their heart. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Go be the church, and then go get something to eat at the meetup. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. We'll see you. Go get connected. <laughs>